0: Boop mm-hmm. boop
1: Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Rachel Gaffney's Real Ireland, and I am indeed Rachel Gaffney. So thank you all again for joining us for another week here in Dallas, live from the Lincoln Center uh, studios, just off of um, Dallas North Tollway and uh, LBJ Freeway. So hi Anna, how are you? Well, hello
0: Rachel, how are you? Let me just put my camera on here. How are you doing? I'm great. It's thanks. October, yay! Finally I know. a bit cold
1: does it feel like fall outside for you
0: (laughs) not really but um on your table it says so look at
1: that well i think it feels a little bit like that i don't know what time you probably came in much earlier into the studios this morning and i came in here a while ago and it is a beautiful 65 degrees outside Um, which is about, you know, 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 degrees Celsius. So I'm not complaining about that weather at all. I'm I'm thrilled. And so um, whether you call it autumn or whether you call it fall, um, you know, autumn is what we would still refer to it in Ireland and fall is what you refer to it in America. So whether you call it either or at least, uh, you know, it's like new, new money, old money, autumn, fall, centigrade, Fahrenheit. We just can't seem to get on the same page, can we? But this is the perfect segue, actually. Yeah, I didn't even plan this. But to talk about autumn or fall and how uh, in one country they say one thing and in another country they say another. But yet we kind of are talking the same language or doing the same things and different traditions and how things get changed. And in this week's episode i thought i wanted i thought i'd do a little bit of um do an irish halloween special and sarah curly said to me when i came in here a while ago oh do you guys celebrate um, halloween in ireland too earlier on (laughs) Uh, yes we celebrate halloween but not only do we celebrate halloween we actually are the ones that gave you an awful lot of your traditions that americans uh, practice for, for Halloween. So I wanted to s- say this to you. Um, Halloween spending last year in the United States, I don't know if you know this statistic or not, Anna, but the, uh, according to the um, National Retail Federation, Halloween spe- spending was estimated at nine billion US dollars.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah, that's pretty huge. And and that's just second in second place uh, In first place, of course, above that would be Christmas. But in second place was uh, Halloween. So nine billion US dollars spent last year. They estimate the same again this year, or maybe even a little bit higher, which means that this is a really big holiday for Americans. They love to celebrate it and go out in, in, in all sorts of style, whether it's costumes, parties candy, trick-or-treating and everything, but did you know that Irish, that uh, Halloween traditions here have their origins in, uh, in Ireland? Did you know that, Anna? I did not know that.
0: And I am so excited because I kind of had a glimpse of uh, what we're going to talk on the show. And we have really good stuff. So I'm excited yeah, to yeah, yeah, into it.
1: So I think the only way to explain this is to go um, back to the very beginning and give a little bit of context, a little background as to uh, how we got here. And I'm going to talk about jack-o'-lanterns, trick-or-treating, Halloween games, costumes, and the backstory as to how this all got to where it is right now. So you got to go back to the ancient Celts. Now, who were the ancient Celts? The Celts were uh, living in um, various parts of Europe and they go back as far as about 1200 BC. And they were in England, Scotland, Wales, uh, France, Spain, and Ireland. So these really are who your main Celts were. Now just a quick little brief history thing. So prior to Christianity, we had the Celts practicing, you know, our paganism. Um, they were practicing um, their religion. And the Druids uh, were the religious leaders for the Gales, Gaels, G-A-E-L-S. And the Gaels were the Irish form of of Celts. So you had the Celts in England, you had the Celts in Scotland, you had the Celts in northern part of Spain, you had the Celts in uh, parts of France, which would be Brittany, um, and Scotland and Wales. And each of us had our own different languages, a form of language or um, dialect, which was known as sometimes you hear people saying, are you speaking Celtic? Are you Celtic? So the origin are the Celts. Then you had the Roman Empire who took, you know, invaded Europe and then they invaded um, England and they tried to invade Ireland and they failed. Now, the story goes that they failed to invade Ireland because it was too damn cold, if you can believe it or not. So um, they said it was so cold, they called it Hibernia which is where we get that word for Ireland, you know. Um, but anyway, they eventually uh, conquered England and they did not conquer Ireland. So the Celtic culture or the Druids and the way they practiced things lasted much longer in places like Ireland. And then Christianity came along with St. Patrick in the fourth century who introduced um you know christianity and catholicism to ireland and then things started to change so we went from the ancient form of practicing paganism druid and celtic customs and tradition and then it went over to uh, christianity and catholicism now so that's i mean obviously there's a lot more to this but we want to talk about halloween so that's why i'm starting here with this and um, in ireland we um because we speak irish and another language we all know what the word Samhain means, and it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, and what it basically means is the end of the summer. So the Druids of the Celts used to celebrate the end of the summer, the end of the the harvest festival. And um, they would light fires at the end of it on the end of October, um, 31st of October, and they'd light their fires. And in the homes, the Irish used to uh, put out the fires in their hearth And they would gather at the large fires around Ireland where the Druids would light them. And they would take some of the burning embers from those fires and then bring those into their homes or put them in little turnips. Now, hold on to that thought about the turnips and the burning ember and the light. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I'm getting to that, but I I hazard a guess that some of you might know where I'm going with this. Um, But the Druids and the Celts used to believe at the end of this uh, season, the end of... Uh, winter, you know, when everything was dying off, they believed that it we were now moving into, sorry, the end of summer and going into the beginning of winter. Um, the Celts believed that they could cross over to their world, to this other world, and they were afraid. So what they wanted was to protect themselves from being maybe kidnapped or taken by monsters or whatever. So they would dress up in all these costumes to protect themselves from the spirits from the other world. Do you know where I'm going with this, Anna?
0: Uh-huh.
1: I am liking where this is going, right? So these are the Druids, right? Um, The Celts. We're now going back to this this time frame and these were all of their customs and traditions. And so we're talking about the end of the summer, the end of the harvest, the beginning of winter, the beginning of darkness, the beginning of much longer days. And then this crossover of evil, maybe as well, and spirits. Um, They also believed back then that um, when they saw cats, a black cat, they believed that it was actually a human that had died. And if this human was not a good person on Earth and was evil, they were coming back in the form of a cat and that that was their punishment. Oh, so black cat, death, fire. You know, we're kind of going. So this is this amalgamation of the Druids, the pagan culture, um, moving over with the crossover Christianity. Um, And so these kind of cultures were starting to sort of merge and mingle um, as the years were going by. And then come along the Catholic Church. And Samhain was taken over because the Catholic Church started taking over more and more of these pagan holidays. And it was replaced with All Souls Day on November the 1st. Um, And the night before All Souls Day was actually known as All Hallows Eve which eventually became known as Halloween. And it wasn't until the 19th century, the late 19th century, when the Irish and Scots moved in such large numbers that Halloween became popular in the USA. So when we moved over here, we started bringing some of our customs and traditions with us. And you're talking about the Scots and the Irish. So you've got two different forms of Celts bringing their traditions. And then you've got, you know, people in different parts of Ireland and different parts of Scotland. So you've got regional differences. So all of these were coming over with them. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some of the Halloween traditions. So the first one we're going to talk about is the jack-o'-lantern. And we all know about this famous pumpkin. And um, I love watching all the TV at the moment, and you know the pumpkin carving festivals. And I saw, I think it was on the Travel Channel yesterday. They were talking about. Um, pumpkin derbies and people putting motors on them and making them into what? boats I yeah. love
0: this idea so all over the United States <laughs>
1: they had a kids thing like they have the carving out the pumpkins and putting them attaching them to skateboards and motors and having races carving out these giant pumpkins in lakes and then they have to put a motor and have to be able to you know sail it across so we've come a long way with pumpkins and it's changed so much it's it's phenomenal you bet but let's go back to the jack-o'-lantern and how did we start carving pumpkins why why where did that come from like does anybody know why we started carving a pumpkin and why that became a halloween tradition
0: well um we have someone in the comments section on facebook kind of uh trying to uh, give a little bit of a hint on this can I read it or do you want to? No, go ahead and read it. Okay, so uh, Gillian Oliver says, I love Jillian. this story. Gillian, there we go. I, I, never, I, I always need your, your guidance That's okay. on pronunciation. So he says, I love this story. Um, uh, before pumpkin carvings, there was turnip carvings, but the turnips were too difficult to carve. So pumpkins replaced them.
1: Smart girl, Gillian Oliver. Um, what actually happened was during Hall- All Hallows' Eve, they used to do what was known as souling. And souling was the type of singing. And so these people would go around in ancient Ireland and they'd go around in these costumes and they would sing, they would go from door to door and they would sing and they would hope for a little bit of money. The idea was you'd give them a little bit of money and they would pray for your soul. If you didn't, then they would play a trick on you, hence trick-or-treating. But they would carry turnips with little burning embers on them. Now, a turnip in Ireland... A turnip in Ireland uh, is different over here so that we have turnips in the United States and we have rutabagas. A turnip in Ireland is more like a rutabaga here but they were huge they were really big and we used to carve them and then when they came to the United States the turnips were so small they couldn't really carve these and they came across the pumpkin and they thought, ah that's easier to carve that's bigger we'll carve that. So that's how they started carving the turnip But the story of the turnip, to go back from, we'll go from the the Jack O' Lantern, because who came up with the name Jack? Do you know why we call them a Jack O' Lantern? Well, we call them a Jack O' Lantern because the old story in Ireland was about Stingy Jack. Now, he was quite a guy, Stingy Jack. He was very brave, he made a deal with the devil. He did? He did, he was in a pub, which is very Irish. (laughs) But the old story goes that Stingy Jack uh, made a deal with the devil the devil he needed some money to buy a drink and the the, um we'll leave the screen on right now because as you can see that that's a router bag on the far right and you can see how big it is because you don't normally get them that size in the states and it's pretty ghoulish looking it's a it's a bit more scary scary. than uh, what, what we go around with now friendlier so what happened was you have jack making a deal with the devil Now, you don't make a deal with the devil, but he did and he managed to to win Um, or so he thought that he wouldn't take his soul, but he forgot to put the caveat. The devil was going to take his soul after 10 years and then he made another deal with him that he would not take his soul ever um and then he tried to go when he did die he uh, tried to go to heaven and they would not let him in at heaven because he was so nasty and making deals with the devil and then they didn't want him in hell either so the devil um sent him off wandering the earth for eternity with just a little ember going back to the you know the symbolism of the fire and the embers gave him a little ember to light his way and he could put it in a turnip and that's how he could light his way going around the earth for eternity. So Stingy Jack is wandering earth for eternity with nothing else but this ember in a turnip and that's then the tradition became carving the pumpkins and that's how we that's now why we call them jack-o'-lanterns.
0: That is really interesting. I've never heard the story before, so...
1: Yeah, and then, um, like I said to you, you've got... Um, um, the the turnip and then and then of course you have the the trick or treating and I I was we sort of segued into that a while ago when uh, Gillian was mentioning that we would go around uh, they would go around soling and the tricks they would play were you know they would remove you know the cartwheel from your cart they would do something to your gate and your farm or they would you know and of course now we've advanced into is it TPing people's houses you know the toilet papers oh, and yes. you know jokes like that and stuff that that would do now. In Ireland, we used to play a lot of Halloween games, and I still think... Oh, by the way, in, in the United States, when they started doing the trick-or-treating, they would go around in very homemade costumes here in the US, and we'd go around and people would um, would go trick-or-treating um, on the east coast of America. And there were certain parts that didn't embrace it, especially uh, the Puritans. It, it was still very closely connected with very satanic and demonic sort of times or paganism. So they didn't want to embrace that culture, which I totally understand. Um, And what they used to do then is they they stopped doing trick or treating around World War Two. And the reason that stopped very much here was because sugar was rationed. So you couldn't really give out candy or things like that. And then post World War Two, it sort of uh, there was a resurgence of Halloween and trick or treating and candy. And now it's the nine billion dollar holiday that it is here in the U.S. Um, I don't know what it is in other countries, but as I mentioned earlier, this is according to the National uh, Retail Federation. So I didn't come up with these numbers. Just, you know, didn't just, you know, Google it and just come up with it. It's it's something that's talked about a lot by the National Retail Federation. So nine billion dollars is a lot.
0: Rachel, would you mind just pulling the microphone a little bit closer to you for a second? Yes. There we go.
1: Am I leaning away from it too much?
0: Almost, yes. Thank Sorry. you very much, Mia.
1: So the, the $9 billion area on candy and everything. Well, not just candy. Of course, it's costumes and everything else.
0: Yes. And uh, pumpkins alone. You see these beautiful beautiful facades from houses, right?
1: Oh, they're gorgeous. I love to see what they do with the pumpkins. And I love all the natural pumpkins and and the things that they do. People are knitting them and using them out of yarns and fabrics. So what they're doing with pumpkins nowadays is quite incredible. Now, we had a lot of games growing up in Ireland, and I want to talk about one of the traditions in Ireland, and it's called the Brack or Brack. And the Boreen Brack is, boreen as Brack is an Irish, they're Irish words, it literally means speckled loaf and nowadays it's called barn Brack and it was a cake, a little fruit cake that was made like a tea loaf, it was either round or um, in a, you know, loaf pan. Now look at that. I wrote an article a few years, I used this photograph which I got courtesy of Dukas.ie which is a website in Ireland that, uh, is run through University College Dublin, and this site documents things from back from the nineteen twenties in photos. And I'm a nerd; I love scouring through it and reading the stories from back then. But do you see those two girls? Do you see them? Look at them sitting there. I always laugh and look at her. They're so happy looking. Look they're <laughs> sitting there, buttoned up in their nice tweed coat, and you know, they're they're so well behaved, and they're sitting there with their slice of uh, brack and a cup of tea. Now, I grew up in a house with four children. And we didn't behave like that because we were dying to get our, our slice of brack. So this goes back to, again, the Celts and the Druids, they were all into, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, di- divination.
0: divination. 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 Not
1: divination, divination, You know, divining and fortune telling and everything. So this cake that was made back then, we would, when, when they made it, when your mom made it, they would wrap up, um, it was a pea, a dried pea, a stick, a little gold ring, a bit of fabric, and they're all wrapped up and baked into the cake. And you would eagerly wait for the slice of cake and the, of the brack. And what you would do is um, when you got your slice, whatever you got, it was gonna tell your your future. So needless to say, us three girls were all hoping to get the gold ring, which meant you were going to be married or have your love. But oh. when you look at some of the things that were in there nowadays, they wouldn't do that. I mean, the stick was that you were going to be beaten. The The P was poverty. I think the the uh, rag was you were going or the rag was good. You're going to be poor. But there were all these, there were regional differences around Ireland, but we would all be kind of hovering above this slice, you know, looking for that glimpse of that gold ring or the paper. And if it looked like it was the pea or something, I remember going, no, 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 my sister can have that slice. I'll wait for the next one. (laughs) You're
0: peaking. (laughs)
1: Um, So I wasn't as well behaved as those two girls sitting there nicely waiting for their slice of brack. But the bar- the barnbrack was one of the Irish traditions, and today now the sales in Ireland for uh, barnbrack. I mean, at this time of the year, it's a very traditional thing to eat at Halloween in Ireland. We used to play games, and one of the ones which you guys do hear a lot of are the bobbing for apples.
0: Oh yeah, and you know
1: you see that again. That was um, our one was where you had to over the bowl and you had to to bite the apple. But we also had one that was hanging up. See those two girls again with the basin of water. Now, if you were the first person doing that, that was great. If you were the third or fourth or fifth or tenth or whatever, it was horrible because there was saliva in the water and people had spat out pieces of apple. And like. I bet
0: the water was everywhere.
1: Oh, my God. And you wanted like, oh, I don't want to be the one. I have to stick my face in this one, you know, but that's what we did. You know, we, we would play all those kind of games, which was which is really kind of cool. Um, another thing, too, when you associate, you know, the spooky Halloween and everything, Dracula. That would be very much a Halloween kind of story, don't you think, Anna?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, who hasn't heard of the man himself?
1: And we associate Dracula, you know, with um, Transylvania and, and all of those places, which, of course, it was set in Transylvania. And you have all of the stories that go with that. And the Dracula
0: castle.
1: Absolutely. But the other thing that's really important to remember is that Dracula was written by Bram Stoker. And who was Bram Stoker? Bram Stoker was born in Dublin in 1847. And he went to Trinity College, Dublin, and he studied mathematics. He had a degree in mathematics and he was really good at football and everything. But um, he um, was born in, I won't say post famine, but the Irish Famine, the, the, the crux of it was 1840 to 1845. So he's born in 1847. Now the story goes is that his mother witnessed so much horror and dread around the time of the famine and the bodies that were you know left on the side of the road and what happened to bodies once they died. Uh, and I won't go into all that right now, but there's an awful lot of her storytelling, her memories, imprinted on his life and that a lot of that was used with his imagination for the writing of Dracula. Now every year in Dublin so if you're in Dublin or if you're planning or going to be in Dublin at this time of the year we have the Bram Stoker festival and as you can see I have it up right here for you and we'll share the link it's simply the Bram And that's something that you can attend while you're in Ireland Um, and it's it's just another I think it's over three days does it say Anna how long it's on I'm gonna check three or four days I believe or maybe three days but and Bram Stoker there's a plate outside the house one of his houses which was is right opposite Leinster house which is the seat of our Irish government so four days four days okay
0: 25th to the 28th of October
1: okay wonderful and then there's another festival known as the puka festival the puka or p-u-c-a or p-u-c-k-a there's so many different spellings of it was another uh monster from the times of the ancient uh, druids it's what they would dress up in and kind of like grasses so they've just launched this huge puka festival in areas of ireland around county meath um, and that festival will be happening um, at the end of this month in Ireland over uh, different parts of Westmeath. And that one's going to be pretty spectacular over two or three days. I think that's brought by Fall to Ireland, which is F A I L T E Ireland. I should put up a link for that. I just remember that right now, but it's called the Puka Festival. Um, I'll
0: include that as well.
1: Oh, will you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because it says here, I have the thing about the Dublin, um, about the Bram Stoker. Uh, They have Nightwatch an Outdoor Spectacle at Dublin's Grand Canal Dock that will run across all four days of the festival. Um, And then you have the Puka Festival up in, I think it's Westmeath and Louth and Drogheda, which those are areas which are north and west of Dublin, the counties north and west of Dublin. Um, So lots of scary, spooktacular things going on over there. Um, And I thought I would uh, talk to you about, as we're talking about pumpkin, and everybody loves pumpkin pie, right?
0: Oh yeah, and I know pumpkin pie
1: is very um, is associated with um, Thanksgiving over here. And I have to tell you, I do like pumpkin pie, very, very, certain ones. I'm not a great fan of some of the store ones. I love the ones that my some of my friends make from scratch, and I love pecan pie as well. But the um, or pecan pie, as we would call it. I know.
0: I also have the same thing when people say pecan. It just sounds so English or so British, and it's.
1: But they also say that in the East Coast, don't they, Anna? On the East Coast of America, I think there's certain parts of the U.S. that say pecan pie.
0: Yes. Um,
1: Or pecan pie, I mean. Sorry. So in the South, they know it's very pecan. Pecan. In the East, it's pecan. So it's not just, you know, us Irish and English and Europeans. uh, People in different parts of the United States. So it's pecan, you know, tomato, tomato.
0: Yes, exactly. Pecan, pecan. As a foreigner, Everyone, it's confusing. Autumn, fall, <laughs> pecan,
1: pecan, centigrees, Fahrenheit. I mean, I'm trying to please everybody all the time. <laughs> um, one of the other things I thought I'd talk about, which we were just talked about, was the pumpkin pie. So when you think about pumpkin pie spice, it's not actually a spice that's made out of pumpkins. It's a spice that's added to pumpkins. And what is in pumpkin pie spice? Well, pumpkin pie spice, is made up of cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice and cloves. And you can make your own pumpkin pie spice very easily if you combine those together. And um, I made some there about a week ago. I just took some cloves, some fresh nutmeg, some cinnamon, ground them all up in my you know the coffee bean grinders. Oh, yeah. So I just took a little um, uh, group of it, put it together and spiced it all up, put it in a little jar. And as most people know, or some people don't know, um, I I love making my Irish butter shortbreads, you know, with my Kerrygold unsalted butter, you know, me and my shortbreads.
0: You were sharing something the other day about um, Target, weren't you? About what? You were sharing something about Target. um, I think doing something to the butter
1: oh not target about um uh, you know about uh, our irish butter about it being subjected to tariffs
0: oh okay huge
1: tariffs maybe 25 percent tariffs but we won't go into that that's all politics i don't want to talk about that but um no our irish butter they carry gold unsalted butter so i make those shortbreads so i thought you know what i need to make a pumpkin pie spice shortbread wouldn't that be on me so I wanted to see uh, what it would be like if I made my own spice and added to it. Since I'm making my shortbread from scratch, why don't I make my own pumpkin pie spice? And I tried a few different batches to see. I don't like things to be very sweet and very strong. I don't like a flavor to take over a cookie. I don't know about you guys, but I like my shortbread to have if it's lemon zest, it has an infusion of lemon zest or if it has ground espresso and shaved Belgian chocolate, I just wanted to have, you know traces of it and lovely bites of it, but I don't want it to take over um, because remember, it's still Irish butter shortbread. So for the pumpkin pie spice, um, I made it and I did two different versions, three different versions, and then I got the right one. So um, I did a little video just to show you our little recipe. Do you want to see it of what of how easy it is to make?
0: Let's definitely play that.
1: Okay. There's the spices. Of course you can look at this afterwards. Fresh spice, I can smell it from here. You're creaming the butter and sugar, obviously. That's important to gradually add the flour. And there they are. You can see little flecks of them. Can you just there, you know, with I obviously have cloves and things on there just to show you but um, so that's an easy little recipe for you that's up there um, for you to make your own shortbreads if you want something a little bit different for Halloween this year you know you could make them in little uh, stack them and tie them up in little baggies and give them to somebody tie them and maybe put some acorns or something around them like I did I just went out to the garden and picked up some acorns and um, grabbed a couple of the branches off the tree and just threw them on the table. And so there you have it, you know, something that's simple. And I know I would say, oh, there you have it. But look, if you can't think of what to make, I'm doing it for you, so, so there you go. So there's my kind of Irish Halloween traditions, um, the little stories, I hope those help you, the little recipe. And um, this is sort of getting me ready because I'm getting gearing up for a very busy time now, personally. Um, Not only are planning all these trips for people to Ireland next year because we have the Notre Dame game in Dublin on August 29th um, and then other culinary trips that I'm planning. Um, I'm also getting ready to bring in a lot of product from Ireland for the Christmas holidays. Um, Well, that's exciting. Yes, Um, I have some gorgeous cashmere and merino wool throws coming in in all different colors, different cosmetics, different um, uh, gift items. And so I think what we're going to do in a couple of weeks is maybe do a Christmas special and show some of the products and see what people can can purchase or, you know, get for their loved ones for for Halloween and stuff. Not for Halloween, for the holidays, for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and whatever they want to celebrate. But um, we'll be doing that shortly in a couple of weeks. So um, a, lot, a lot more going on. So who would have thought that all of your Halloween traditions have all of their um, origins in Ireland? And obviously it's important to say not just Ireland, that it goes back to the ancient um, Celts and Druids. Um, so until next time, have a wonderful Halloween and stay safe out there with your little ones on that spooky night. Until next time slow